You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good, good morning, Eagles fans. It is a Birds 365 Thursday edition with your boys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Yes, it is the bye week, so we're not prepping or preparing for an opponent coming up over the weekend. We're just keeping an eye on where the Eagles are at. And Johnny Mack, to be truthful with you, uh, maybe it's because the Eagles aren't even playing. I realized it was Thursday morning. And I had no idea who's playing who this weekend. Usually by Tuesday after yeah. Monday night well, football, you're all Tuesday caught morning, up, I... you know, everybody's caught up in the baseball playoffs. Uh, you know, Me kind too. of a big game for the Eagles uh, tonight, uh, Saints Cardinals, for the fact that, you know, the more the Saints lose, uh, the better chance uh, you have that top 10 pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's understandable. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the things about Philadelphia. Philadelphia is very provincial, Jody. 
They don't care what's going on with anybody else but their team. But that's not me. But that is no. me this week. I, yeah. It's probably more baseball-related than shoot the Flyers and Sixers yeah. playing. Um, but I just re- – oh, sh- I don't even know who's playing. So I went through some of the games. I got a couple of games I want to touch on with you. Um, since we don't have an Eagle game to talk about, we got plenty about the Eagles to get into. And that's where I want to start. Again, something that I didn't even realize – We'll give him a quick peek behind the curtain, or at least I will, on what I do to prep for Birds 365. The alarm goes off at 616. Get up, go out, have a bowl of cereal, get the dog out, sit in front of the computer, go to the websites I always go to. So I had a bunch of things on my little show list here that I have every single day um, before we start. And a, a name passed by me, and I said, I haven't talked about him. I haven't thought about him. I looked at the numbers and said, where is this guy been? Johnny Mac, is Milton Williams still on this team? Because- yeah, he almost got, you know, there was that, uh, not controversy, but, what, you know, did he block the field goal in Arizona? Did he get a finger on it? Did he Trayvon Hester uh, the field goal? He didn't, uh, which he, you know, probably should have said he did, Uh but whatever, he was very close to it, pushing. Yeah, I mean, Melton's a big part of this team, big big part of uh, the interior defensive line rotation. I think he's playing well. He's getting better. Still a young player, um, but yeah, I think I think Milton's been fine for the most part. Six games, he's got seven tackles, and it's yeah, not. That I, I did I'm, double check yeah. this right before we came on the air. He's playing about 40% of the snaps. It's not like he's buried on the bench. He only got uh, Kobe Dean doesn't play any snaps from scrimmage. All he does is play special teams because he's behind two guys that are playing lights out football. Milton's in there on 40% of the defensive snaps, and he's got all of seven tackles. Uh, you can look up the pro football focus grades, which, oh, by the way, I looked at him this week for the Eagle game again. I'm perplexed. I don't understand how they grade. I looked at the end result and it doesn't seem to add up the way they grade the Eagles out. Uh, But Milton Williams wasn't uh, either a top 10 or a bottom 10 ranking from last week. But at least in the tackle production, a guy who plays inside and outside, and that's one of the reasons I would like Milton Williams and talked him up uh, Blue Streak this offseason as they did, his flexibility and the ability to move around. Derek Barnett, who was a guy who, you know, I said, why the hell did the Eagles bother re-signing him? Uh, ends up going down with an injury, so he's not taking snaps away from Milt Williams. The numbers haven't been there. You're telling me, uh, oh, he's playing well. I haven't seen it. How do we know that he's playing well other than the Eagles coach? Well, I don't, I don't, you know, I think he's been fine. Um, you know, and as a young player, he's getting, getting better. Um I'll, yeah, I'll stop well, you right well, there. How do we know that Milt Williams is getting better? Because it's not well. First up of all, I, let let me say. First of all, I will say it's not a you know me and stats and football, but even but because of the way the Eagles play defense, and and Jordan Davis is a better example of this. And I've been talking about it since they drafted him. I was worried about it because. He's not supposed to get tackles. He's supposed to tie up blockers so T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White can flow to the football. 
And, you know, I mentioned that word, I know a number of times, esoteric. I don't know if it's too esoteric. I think there's a lot of smart football fans who understand it. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are caught up in statistics. And, you know, he's not playing. And he, and he hasn't played outside much. He's, you know, they haven't needed him. So he's mainly played on the, he's been <clears throat> on the interior. So, you know, they call it a gap and a half. It's not two gap in the big Fangio defense. He's trying to muck things up. So TJ Edwards and Kaiser White can flow to the football. So he's not going to be generating massive stats. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you have to look at the 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 film, and you know he's been fine. He's not been great by any stretch of the imagination, but as a young player, still getting better. And by the way, he's been hurt as well, fighting through a bit of an injury. He's been fine. I, I, I'm. He's still a solid player who's got an upside. He hasn't missed any games. So, what injury is it that supposedly? Uh, he banked up his knee early in the season and he's been playing through um you know it's a lot of guys are banged up a lot of guys See, play but through. here's here's why i don't buy that john like i said i i just crunched numbers before the show started he's playing 40 percent of the snaps if he's injured and he's not quite 100 percent, why they put him out there at 40 for 40 percent of the snaps he's a backup defensive tackle and i get it they rotate everybody they like that fresh bodies in there but 40 percent's a pretty big number he's playing more snaps than jordan davis is and he doesn't have the tackles that jordan davis and you correctly stated it that's not really even his job if he doesn't get tackles, but he's doing everything else and he's occupying guys and other players make him play, that's that's what Jordan Davis does, and he's very good at it. He's got more tackles than Milton Williams, playing less snaps. I, I just, other than that, yeah, did he get his finger on the blocked uh, the kick in Arizona? I, I just, when I watch Eagles and I'm not getting the uh, coach's game tape thereafter to break down, he just hasn't made any plays this year. Well, number one, he's not, you know, he, he, I don't, what do we think of Milton Williams? I mean, he's a third round pick in a second year. He doesn't have the skill set of Jordan Davis. So if we're going to compare him to Jordan Davis, even though he's farther along, you're probably going to be disappointed. I mean, Jordan Davis is from a physical perspective, at least a, you know, the so-called unicorn. I mean, I, I yeah, he's not Jordan Davis. I'll be the first in line. So why is to say he playing that. more snaps than Jordan Davis? Well, because he's a it, it, it early in the season he was playing more, and then lately he hasn't been playing more. And that's you know part of the their plan with Jordan Davis to ramp him up. He is a rookie, he's learning the defense, he's learning a new scheme. Um and, you know, hopefully that continues to trend in a positive direction. You know, we were talking, forget about Milton, early in the season, Marlon Tui Pelotu was playing more than Jordan Davis and everybody was up in arms. So, um, you know, obviously they have a plan to bring Jordan Davis along. It's not, you know, they have kind of a luxury uh, because of, of Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave who know how to play on the interior. They're very deep on the interior and they rotate these five different guys. So. Um, you know, Jordan's going to, I would imagine is going to continue to inch up and they're going to continue to inch down a little bit, both Marlin and, and Milton. 
uh, because Jordan's just the more talented, uh, gifted player. But they're going to be part of it. And I, I think, you know, it depends what you're looking for. Yeah, if you're expecting to be Milton Williams to be a splash player, then you're going to be disappointed. But if you're expecting that, well, you should you should be angry at yourself. I mean, he's a role player, and he's playing a role. And in that role, he's been fine. That's how I would describe it. Okay. I mean, he's uh, maybe, he's maybe you're fourth. right. Maybe maybe I set the expectations too high because I actually thought he was going to be a guy who was going to be able to put up some numbers. And I get it. Defensive lineman numbers could be misleading. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought this could be a step up year for Milton Williams. And for me, at best, it's a flat year off what he did as a rookie this year compared to uh, what he did as a rookie last year as compared to what he's done so far this year. Well, right now is the fourth defensive tackle. Um, he's, you know, as I said, he hasn't played much at all outside because they haven't needed him because Brandon Graham is back playing at a high level. And they've done a great job with Brandon as far as limiting his reps. And I think, talk about PFF, man. Brandon, I think, last I looked, he was third. Yeah, he, edge he got rushers. a big rating this past week. Um, third or fourth amongst edge rushers. So he's playing at a really high level. Hassan Reddick is killing it. Josh Sweat is playing well. Um, and I haven't needed him uh, to play outside. Um, maybe they will down the road and that versatility will help. Again, we're talking about the eighth defensive lineman on this team, seventh or eighth. I mean, that's pretty darn good. If, if, if number seven or eight on your team is, is Milton Williams, that's, that's pretty good. So I guess it depends on what, what, you know, prism you're looking at it through. If, if he's number two, then you got issues. If he's number eight, number seven. That's pretty good. Here's here's the prison I'm looking at and just kind of challenging the numbers you just gave out. He's the eighth defensive line. The eighth defensive lineman on the Philadelphia Eagles and every other football team in the NFL plays. If you're the fifth cornerback on a team, guess what? You ain't seeing the field. The cornerbacks stay out there and play 100%, 95%, 90% of the snaps. Guys are coming in and out of lineup on the defensive line uh, on a on a play in play on play in play out basis in the NFL. So being the eighth guy isn't like you're sitting on the bench and rooting your no, guys home. And that's no, why you're I said actually he's a getting player. out there onto the field. He's a role player, you know. He's he and he's you know a pretty good role player. Um, you know, I don't get you know Patrick Johnson had the concussion issue. He kind of bumped up a bit, a little surprised over uh, Teron Jackson to be that fourth sort of defensive end edge rusher. Uh, and we'll see how he gets, if he gets going. Um, you know, if you want to be disappointed with a young player, it would probably be Teron Jackson because I thought he would be the guy that would step in. Uh, and he's kind of been kind of lapped by Patrick. Um, yeah, I mean, I – Again, if, if people thought Milton Williams was going to be a star, I get it. He's not a star. I don't know if he's ever going to be a star. Uh, but as a role player, it's pretty good. 
pretty good. Yeah, maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe it's me there. Whereas uh, every year you do this, you look at guys going into their second season because it's uh, NFL historically pretty much proven out. That's a big year of progress. Rookies are rookies. You got to get used to the speed. A lot of times in your second year, you can make a pretty big jump. And I thought that was coming from Milton Williams this year. And it hasn't uh, shown itself yet. Now, we're one-third, slightly more than one-third of the way through the season. And, hey, they get an injury this week. Milton snaps go up, maybe does flash. But uh, shame on me. I hadn't realized that Milton had produced. Now, here we can argue production again. Johnny Mack, not the biggest stats fan, specifically of NFL defensive lineman, um, but uh, he hasn't produced much for me. All right, maybe may, may that one is on me more than anything else. All right, uh, you mentioned the Thursday night game tonight, Saints-Cardinals. Uh, the Eagles already have beaten the Cardinals out in Arizona, and they get the Saints later in this year. They have that first-round draft pick. Are we going to have another stinker of a Thursday night game? The last two oh, have yeah. been – almost right. unwatchable because of lack of offense. And neither one of these two teams is an offensive juggernaut right now, Johnny Mac. I think the Cardinals um, might be on the verge of, of breaking out offensively. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to be back, right? Is that, where are we? Six, I, seven game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's next week. I got to double check that. I, yeah. I, I got to double check that, that as well. Again, I didn't even know who was playing until. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe if he's not back this week, maybe I'll hold off a week on that prediction, but because uh, they lost uh, Hollywood Brown, he's going to be out for a while. So, but yeah. a big addition this week in the former well, wide receiver. Yeah, That's yeah. huge for them. Robbie Anderson, right up to speed, right into the lineup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is not, you know, again, I used the, the baseball would be the easiest because it's a baseball playoffs. But, you know, you can you can trade for a baseball player at the trade deadline and right put him in the lineup. If it's a position player, you know, already right, sitting third, he's sitting fourth, he's sitting seventh, whatever, he's sitting first. It's batter against pitcher. They could have an immediate impact. Uh, it's just about. You know, going out and doing your specific job with football. Yeah, Robbie Anderson's not going to be relevant for weeks, if, at, if ever. If ever, uh, right. For the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, All right, since you went there, let's uh, let me follow up. And uh, we got two good guests coming your way today. Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. Going to jump aboard in the next five or six minutes. And then a little later, Shield Capote. We haven't had Shield on in a while. Um, has covered the Eagles for several different outlets, is doing a lot of things for the ringer these days, but certainly still has a Philly bent to uh, his writings and podcastings. So she'll a little bit later. Trade deadline. NFL's trade deadline is now 11 days away, somewhere there about, uh, not this upcoming Tuesday, but the Tuesday thereafter. Um, the NFL has actually, in my opinion, done a nice job of pushing back the trade deadline. You and I have been following this league long enough to remember when the NFL trade deadline was like September 20th. They played three games and they said, all right, make up your mind. <laughs> Do you want to make a trade? You want to give up a draft pick and, and think that you're in it this year? They really didn't even care. And I think a lot of it had to do with what you just pointed out. We can't get the guy up to speed quick enough that it takes time yeah. for you to be able to incorporate somebody. So they figured the only way you can get a guy and actually have production is give him a whole three quarters of the season to get ready. Yeah, but then teams weren't making trades. Nobody was trading anybody. There was, in comparison to the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL trade deadline was a non entity. 
people didn't look at it. They didn't care about it. Uh, nothing really happened that changed the significance of the season thereafter. They've wisely pushed it back into a uh, middle-of-the-season type deal now, and it's November 1st this year. First time, by the way, I ever remember it being November because the season started late, and so everything's been pushed back this year. Eagles going to do anything? Should the Eagles do anything? I know we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but um, as we get a little bit closer to it, Howie Roseman burning the phones this week to try and figure out someone to uh, add to this Eagle roster? Yeah, I'm sure he is. Uh, by the way, real quick, DeAndre Hopkins is scheduled to be back tonight, so maybe that helps the Cardinals out a little bit. Uh, so just wanted to insert that. With Howie, look, Howie likes doing stuff. One of the things you brought up, the, the old-school mentality, there are a lot of newer GMs who think a little bit differently and are more willing uh, to roll the dice with players in season because you're right in the old days they're like well I can't get this guy up to speed so I don't care I need him in my my program I need him in training camp I need him this but they used to practice more they used to do things now things are a little bit uh, more simplified so uh, there are more open-minded GMs more open-minded coaches about getting people involved um, I would include Howie in that category. He likes, obviously, to make moves. He's made moves in the past. Some have worked. Everybody points to JHI. Some have not. Uh, nobody points to Golden Tate because it didn't work. Um, it, it, I don't want, I've said it pretty consistently, and I'll continue to say it. I don't want to mess with this team as far as the key components of this team. I think something special is developing. And I think a lot of that has to do with the chemistry and the connection. Now you can do your homework and figure out if somebody will fit in. Um, but then the second point of that, Jody, is what do they need? All right. I mean, if you can if you can get me a starting level safety, all right, maybe. Maybe I'll I'll think about it, but why is anybody trading a starting level safety? The Eagles have been the market in this in the market for safety since the offseason when they tried to get Marcus Williams. They finally got Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who's been okay and is getting better and better and better and makes plays. He's already made a bunch of plays, even though he hasn't been consistent or the best tackler in the world. So other than that. What what do they need? What 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 do they need? We just talked about Milton Williams as the seventh or eighth defensive lineman. I mean, can you get better than Milton Williams? I, I don't I don't know at that level. Um, could they use a better backup tight end? Probably, but everybody could use a backup better tight end. Almost tight end is a is a black hole in this league. Uh, especially yeah, when you get Cowboy to the backup tight ends made a couple plays last Yeah, that's true. Eagles. That's true. Maybe they could swim. Well, they're not swinging a deal with Dallas. <laughs> they did. Um, and, you know, by the way, that, you know, when guys get a chance, maybe, you know, they get a, more of an opportunity to show something. Um, but I, I don't know what they need. I, and, 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 and it's certainly if they do need something, it's probably a special teams player. It's, it's probably a returner or a, coverage guy chris marigos type all right if they can pull that off great but as far as relevance as far as 
you know, somebody who plays on Sundays on offense or defense, I I don't think they need anything. Same here. Um, and even the one po- uh, position you point to, starting safety, a guy who's that much better, the day you acquire him, you just look at it and go, all right, well, he's got to get inserted into the starting lineup. I don't think that type of safety is going to be available. And no. number two, no. I'm perfectly fine with the two starting safeties. Now, depth, yeah, I'd like to add a better depth piece who would be just behind Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Epps at the safety position. But I'm not looking to supplant either one of those guys. I'm good with their level of play at both safety positions. I just think they could certainly use a guy who steps in as number three guy. If you have a major injury to either of your, I agree with that. And that's why I talk about it. I mean, Kayvon Wallace, we got a short uh, taste of Kayvon Wallace, who is a wonderful guy, but uh, it was not good. Um, So uh, yeah, you start thinking about, well, what if Marcus Epps gets dinged up or Chauncey gets dinged up, uh, that could be a, a serious issue. And so that's why I say, you know, depth or special teams. Yeah. It, it, how he can uncover somebody, but as far as Christian McCaffrey or Brian Burns and everybody, you know, the big name trap as Joe Banner calls it. No, I don't want, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want any of that. Uh, agreed. And uh, yeah, they did show their, uh, the need for it with, Kayvon played, didn't play hideously bad. He didn't get uh, eaten alive. Pretty sure as hell didn't make any plays this past week. The two guys could turn him back the the clock. I thought it is this morning too. Uh, And you're there every single day, all the practices and like two guys we thought might need to step up and play this year. Kayvon Wallace has gotten a chance, hasn't done it. The other one was Davion Taylor. Is is he still on the practice squad? Yeah. Uh, We've so infrequently mentioned his name. I can't even remember uh, the last time Davion Taylor made a play in either a game, a preseason game. No, he hasn't been elevated yet, but he's on the practice squad. So, you know, um, that's that's actually, you know, when you talk about the 69 with the Eagles at 70 because they have Matt Leo. That's pretty good depth as well to have Davion Taylor on your practice squad. But, uh, yeah, it's not relevant until you need him. Exactly. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald with the Macamac Birds 365, guys. Like I mentioned, we got two good guests today. Next hour, we'll punch up Shield Kabadia. But coming up next, our buddy BLG from BGN. That would be Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. He's going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. <clears throat>
greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Faces you know, the team you trust, the Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. from Bleeding Green Nation, the biggest. And that is uh, purely a literal statement, but it's also kind of figurative, too. When it comes to Eagle Beat reporters, Brandon Lee Gatton joined us here on uh, Birds 365. BLG, what are you doing with yourself during the down week? <laughs> well, I'm running late. That's what I'm doing to start, so sorry about that. But, uh, no you know, I'm just trying to take the advantage to uh, just, you know, catch my breath here and uh, relax a little bit. You're self-scouting, Brandon. Come That's on. right. Yeah. Right. You got to self-scout. <laughs> so in your self-scout, um, 6-0, it's pretty good. I, I've been told that's as good as you can be after six games. So um, there's always nitpicking to do. What's mm-hmm. what's the biggest nit you can pick with this team? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I still think, you know, special teams is obviously uh, a disappointment. Uh, and from the standpoint, it feels like it's going to cost them a game at some point. It feels like they're going to have this big special yeah. team mistake that's going to be Hopefully like, well, it's not in the playoffs like Green Bay. That's what I mean, though. That's yeah. that's like the 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 sleeping giant, so to speak, out there is like you could have that. And it's not even like I think the Eagles need to have the best special teams unit in the league all of a sudden. But if they can just get it to a point where it's not a liability, uh, I think that would be really nice. BLG, I got to ask you about a specific player because we love our streamers here, uh, the commenters, uh, when we're up and uh, doing Birds 365. And for some reason, there's more than just one. I thought it was just one guy, but apparently there's more than one who are big fans of Jaquaski Tart. Hmm. (laughs) He was here. Still? Because still, Johnny Mac. uh, I was just talking with John about... Uh, if the Eagles were to make a trade, where do you think it would be? What do you think they look for? A better backup safety at this point. 
and uh, a couple guys hopped on. Look at look at the numbers Jaquaski Tar put up. <laughs> if you're gonna look back at last year's numbers, sure you can. He was here. He didn't make the team. He hasn't landed with anybody else. Right. Why is Jaquaski Tar still part of the conversation? I didn't even know he was. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm a, a, yeah, a couple, uh, couple people on the stream in the last couple of minutes. Oh, you got Jaquaski. What a nice hill! What a hill team. to die on. Do what we is, know if it's yeah. Jaquaski Tart himself or is he? It, it um, could be relative. Yeah, You're fine. right. That's, uh, that's, that's the beauty of the streaming. You got a name nobody really knows for sure. He didn't even come close turning a spot on this team in preseason, did he? No, but I, I do think I guess you know to make it into a point that um for maybe where this is coming from is you know. Eagles safety depth is concerning. So I get that standpoint. I mean, you saw Chauncey Gardner Johnson leave the game and the downgrade to Kayvon Wallace, I think Ooh, is, is pretty yeah, big. Pretty and big. Uh, I, I wasn't of the, I was of the opinion that Kayvon Wallace ne- shouldn't have necessarily been a roster lock. Uh, I think right now I'm kind of at a point where I'm a little bit more interested to see what Reed Blankenship can do. I know he's an undrafted rookie free agent, but he did some really good things. I thought consistently in practice, and in the preseason games, and I think he's also uh, he flashed on special teams when he was uh, up for the the game uh, a week or two ago. Um, so I'm a little more interested to see what he could do. I just don't think we've seen anything from Kayvon Wallace in his entire time here that really inspires any confidence in me. Yeah, you know, I, I in game is a little bit different, but I I think um, you know on if you hate to think about these things, but if Marcus Epps or or Chauncey has to miss a game and you have to prep for it, I think then you got to start talking about Josiah Scott, who was mm. cross-training in training camp, or even Andre Sachere, who was yep. cross-training as well. You know, when you have some time to prepare, maybe they go in that direction. You know, the Eagles don't like moving parts. You always hear that, Brandon. They say mm. it constantly. But at some point, you got to get your best players on the field. You think maybe in that type of situation – Josiah Scott would be relevant in the safety conversation? Yeah, I think he should be. You know, I think he did a decent job filling in for Avante Maddox in there. It wasn't like he was a total disaster. So I think, you know, he's earned some uh, right to be in the mix there. And yeah, it's it's almost just like I'm interested to see another option that isn't Kayvon Wallace uh, because I think we've just seen too much that we know something, uh, nothing good is going to happen really when he's in there. Um, so you're best served trying another option that might actually have more upside. And I think Scott could be that guy. I think Sachere as well, yes. And then, or, or Brankenship, one of those guys, I think they have to kind of figure that out because, um, you know, Marcus Epps has not missed a snap this year. Knock on wood. I think the only Eagles defender to not miss one. Um, and obviously, Chauncey Gardner Johnson was able to return. But yeah, you're, you're playing with fire because it, they're really thin there. BLG, uh, let's stay at the cornerback position. Um, I think James Bradbury has been dynamite this year. We've got one buddy to the show who's uh, not as big a fan as uh, <laughs> myself, uh, our buddy Bob Groats, who he continues to say he's woefully slow. Don't know how you come to that evaluation, but that's what he said. Uh, he's a free agent at the end of this year. He's going to get paid more than he did this year when he took a one-year prove-it deal with the Eagles and for my estimation, he's proven it big time. So it's gonna he's gonna be difficult to resign. Not impossible, but difficult to resign. Coming into the year, they talked up a bunch of their young safeties, the uh Mac McCain's of the world and the Saturays and a, Scott, not as young as the other guys, but 
that they had depth. They get Job as an undrafted free agent. If the Eagles aren't going to bring Bad Bradbury back, is his replacement coming from within, or is Howie going to have to go out and uh, hit that wide open? 30-foot jumper, not an easy one to make, but get a guy for a more reasonable price who can come in and uh, mm. do a somewhat similar job to the one Bradbury's done. Yeah, obviously you can't just keep everyone because there's a salary cap, and I know Howie does a good job typically of you know making the numbers work, but still, at some level, you can't just literally resign and, and sign all the good players. I mean, James Bradbury's been fantastic. He's 28.8 passer rating when targeted this year. It's crazy. He's allowed the fewest yards in the NFL, according to NFL Next Gen stats, um, of any cornerback. So he's been he's been amazing. Um, I, I don't know that his replacement is really on the roster. I think Zach McPherson has done uh, some positive things from time to time, but I don't think we've seen enough from him to kind of just assume he's a shoe in starter. I think they're going to have to add more competition there. You know, they have that pick currently at number five overall in the 2023 NFL draft from the Saints. So yeah. it could uh, get could better be, if the Saints go that down. Could be the answer. It could be moving up. Yeah, yeah, that could be the answer. But I got to tell you, Brandon, Bradbury is so savvy. I think he's a perfect fit for this defense. I, I do think, you know, if he's in a different defense who was asking him to play a lot of press coverage, he's not as good. Uh, this is a situation where I hope both sides realize this is a perfect fit, um, and and maybe they come to the middle ground. But you remember the off season? How many times did we hear about Mac McCain and Carrie Vincent and Tay Gowan? Oh, I uh, forgot Carrie Vincent. Shame yeah. on me. He got yeah. talked up a lot. Well, my, they all did. Uh, we love yeah. our young quarter. There's no really evidence mm-hmm. that this team has been able to develop young corners. I mean, no. Darius Slade came here as a Pro Bowl corner. James Bradbury came here as a really good former Pro Bowl corner. The young guys, and you mentioned Zach McPherson would be the best, and he hasn't been great in limited time. Uh, I do everything possible to try to lobby and cajole and say, look at this bit, James Bradbury. You know, maybe take a little bit less money because that group has been dominating. Um, and I throw Avante Maddox in as well mm-hmm. when he's been healthy. That's the best trio of cornerbacks in the NFL. I don't think that's that's an overreach. No, not at all. I think uh, third on that list of NFL next-gen stats, uh, yards allowed, is Darius Slay. So they have two of the top yeah. three cornerbacks in terms of fewest yards allowed. Um, yeah, I think Bradbury resigning, I absolutely would you know have an interest level in that. And I think from his perspective, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know his mindset well enough to to know for sure if he's just going to want to chase the money. But I would, you know, posit that he was on the Giants, he chased the money there, and that might have been a really miserable experience for him, all that losing. So I don't know if he wants to go back to that, especially after kind of having a taste of all this winning that he's had here. Maybe that means something to him. Can't say for sure. We'll see. Um, but to the point of how good the secondary has been, uh, that was one of my biggest reasons. Why I, I like I, I was confident the Eagles were going to beat the Cowboys, and I know, um, you know, maybe that's not saying the most if uh, you don't believe in Cooper Rush at all. But like, I, I just felt like going into this matchup, this was the best secondary the Eagles have had going into a Cowboys game in a long time. Uh, a Cowboys team that usually has hurt them with their wide receivers, uh, and certainly no Mark Cooper helps. Um, that's a that's a big deal that he's been gone, and certainly Cooper Rush helps. 
but still, uh, I mean, the secondary inspired a lot of confidence, and sure enough, they they went out and they they made the plays that mattered. All right, since we're using our wish on uh, wish that James Bradbury isn't just chasing the dollars and is really enjoying his time here in Philadelphia, and if he factor in, hey, I want to try and win a chip, and the Eagles are a legit chip contender, can we do the same? Should we do the same for Miles Sanders? I know Johnny Mack had a piece up on. Uh, Jacob Sports about Miles and Steichen talking him up a, a big deal when he, uh, re- the coordinator spoke the other day. And Miles as well saying, hey, I, I'm just doing what I can to stay here in Philadelphia. We know the Eagles don't necessarily look to pay a heavy amount for the running backs. But who in the league does? I know they, they, the easy thing to say, well, somebody's going to pay Miles Sanders. Who? Who's mm-hmm. going to pay Miles Sanders that much more than the Eagles can pay or should be thinking about paying Miles Sanders? He's having a nice year. He's fourth in the league in rushing. Is Miles a guy that Howie's going to have a conversation with over the next couple of weeks about as a uh, possible extension? I think it would have to be very team friendly. I mean, I, I go back to you're, you're putting that word very in front of very. Huh? Yeah, okay. I mean. It goes back to so I, the reason why I don't think he's just chopped liver. It goes back to how when uh, the Eagles drafted him, they talked about how everyone was on the same page about this Miles Sanders pick, like coaching staff, um, you know, scouts, uh, analytic, like everything. Everyone was on the same page about Miles Sanders, so they they seem to be a fan of him. Um, you know, that being said, like what is Miles Sanders in terms of the the what best running back in the league? Is he? Is he a top 10 running back? I don't, no. I don't think he is. No. Playing like um, it right now. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think that's who he's been over the course of his career. That's and fair. even so, like, even at his kind of whatever he is right now, do they really, like, trust him implicitly? Like, he's not, like, their go-to guy. And, like, he's not, like, their third down back even still. He's not, like, there's this major role on the team in that capacity. Still not, like, hasn't been able to contribute as a pass catcher in a meaningful way, I would say, since his rookie year. Um, and I think all of that matters. And I think for a team that is so insistent on getting, you know, uh, or not paying premium resources really at that position, especially in terms of dollars, I, I just I have a struggle to see it. Yeah, I, I still think it's a long shot, but but Jody brings up a good point. Uh, you know, who is going to pay him? There are, you know, there are highly paid running backs. Uh, one of them's on the market right now, Christian McCaffrey. Um the, the Dalvin Cooks of the world, the Derrick Henrys of the world, but they're big time backs. I mean, they're clearly um, um, a step above what Miles Sanders offers. So while there have been teams that will go and be outliers and go against the conventional way of thinking in the modern NFL and pay running backs, are they going to pay Miles Sanders? And so then it comes down to just the Eagles' philosophy. Is it churn and go get another running back on his rookie deal? Or is it, eh, this is a pretty good player. Um, you don't have that ramp up period, that startup cost with a rookie. Um, and they're a contender. I think it's more likely now. I Before the season, uh, BLG, I would have said, and I did say with Jody, I, I don't see a path where Miles Sanders would be back because mm-hmm. he'd be overperformed. He'd leave for more money. If he underperformed, the Eagles wouldn't want him. So maybe if he got hurt, which nobody wanted. But now I start to see a, a little sliver of potential. Am I wrong? Hmm. That maybe 25%? Yeah, I don't think it's a case of 
And he's going to get like the Zeke contract or the Christian McCaffrey contract. But I mean, okay. I still think he's going to get, you know, something. It could be, <laughs> I don't know what the, the price is on running backs, but I think, you know, there could be eight. It all takes just one team, one team that kind of gives him not yeah. some crazy deal, but like more than the Eagles would be comfortable paying with the mindset that we have to save somewhere. We have Jeff Stoutland and a great offensive line. This is a place where we can probably can kind of get more out of less in terms of at least resources. I just think um, that's how they've they've thought about this position. I think the trade deadline will be very interesting to consider in all of this. You know, we think back to 2017, the Eagles traded for Jay Ajayi. That wasn't just about helping the run as much as it was also having the appeal of him signed through 2018 as well with the thought yeah. that he could be their top running back or, you know, a very important piece in the running game that next season. So I think that's something to watch here. Do they look to add someone who can not only help now, but also might be a, con- a contributor down the line? I BLG, I need you to uh, jump in on a conversation John and I had before we punched you up. And that's Milton Williams. Mm. Maybe it's me because I looked at the Eagles rookies from last year. Smith was a first round pick, Dickerson, second round pick. All right, both of those guys, uh, Dickerson needed to jump in faster than we expected him to. And he did a great job. Everyone expected Devontae to be a player from day number one. Other Eagle draft picks last year. Zach McPherson, Kenny Gainwell, uh, Marlin on the defensive tackle position, the Jackson brothers, Teron and Patrick. I thought the guy who was most eligible to have a big step up from year one to year two is Milton Williams. Statistically, and I'm not getting game film tape to break it down and see exactly who he's going up against. And is it his job just to occupy two blockers a, Milton hadn't put up any stats. He's got seven tackles in six games. And it's not always the most important stat tackles for a defensive tackle. But has he slowed in his development? Did I uh, set too high a bar of what my expectations were for Milton to be improved in year number two? What kind of year do you think Milton Williams has had to this point? Yeah, I think disappointing. Um, he has one quarterback hit through these six games. You know, it's just it's not enough. You want to see more than that. And I know he's in a heavy rotation. I think injury could be a factor there. I know he hasn't like consistently necessarily been on the injury report, but he has been banged up. He, I know he had to leave uh, a, a game or two early, kind of missed some playing time. So I wonder if he's kind of being held back by that. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think we've seen the leap from him. And on a team where there's a lot of positive developments, I think he's quietly kind of flying under the radar as a disappointment uh, in that regard. And it's important because the Eagles, you know, they, they do have this heavy defensive tackle rotation. And it would be really ideal um, that they could get some, you know, more high-quality snaps out of him um, because I think the goal there isn't just about, um, you know, trying to maximize wins in the short term as much as it is trying to keep guys like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave fresh um, so that when, you know, the more important games roll around, such as in the postseason, and they did this in 2017, they can kind of really up those snap counts and really lean more heavily on those, uh, those their big-time players there. Um, so I think it's disappointing they're not getting more out of him for sure. Uh, to continue with that theme, because I'm going to go in a different direction. More than Milton, you talk about those second-year players. Kenny Gainwell. Mm. Boy, I I have, you know, a little bit of juice against the Cowboys. A couple mm-hmm. of decent runs. And, and, as a pass receiver, which we all expected, and maybe this is just Jalen Hurts, because Jalen can hold on to the ball. But why not just run for 10, 15 yards instead of dumping it off to the running back? But um, 
he's been non-existent basically. And I think we all thought Kenny Gainwell is going to be this Austin Eckler like mm. receiving back. Not the case. And we just kind of talked about Miles as well, long term. If you start thinking about turning it over, I think a lot of people before the season said, you know, maybe Kenny Gainwell could be the guy. Um, I don't see that at all. Where are you on 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 Kenny Gainwell, BLG? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been good as a runner, solid. Um, but that's not <laughs> that's not what you want from him. I mean, that's that's nice, that's good, but it's not the it's not why you bring Kenny Gainwell in. It's not uh, how the coaching staff, you know, talked about him. They wanted him to kind of be, you know, pass catching receiver in the mold of a Naheem Hines. There's four receptions for 21 yards this year, and his targets have gone down as the season has gone on. He had four in week one, and he had two, two, and then in the last two weeks, uh, zero and zero. So um, he's been phased out. And I think that's good because I think earlier on the season, I think it was a little frustrating that it felt like they're force feeding targets to a guy and overthinking it when like you could be spending these targets on AJ Brown or Devonte Smith who are much better pass catchers. And I know it's not always that simple as a one-to-one, but um, from you know like a holistic standpoint, it's like get the ball to your best players. Don't try to force Kenny Gainwell into the offense. Um, that was one of my, uh, probably biggest criticisms for a team that's been very good earlier on in the years. It felt like they were trying to force it to him. So I think it's good that they're not doing that as much in the in the passing attack. Um, but it's disappointing, again, that you're not able to go to him. And again, coming back to the trade deadline of it all, you know, maybe the Eagles are looking potentially for someone with some actual reliable like third-down running back skills because that's, that's not really something they have on their roster, despite the fact Miles Sanders once showed that. And despite the fact Kenny Gainwell was supposed to come in and have that kind of mold, it's just not really something they have. All right, BLG, one of my favorites. You know this. I've had you on as a guest often enough. The old hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. And it may be a bit of a reach here since Lane Johnson was good enough to be working on a Christmas album yesterday, but he did <laughs> leave the last game with a concussion. Mm-hmm. And it's his third in five years, and the Eagles may, because of an abundance, overabundance of caution, uh, make sure that Lane is not showing no signs whatsoever of the concussion when they come back against Pittsburgh next week. If that's the case, I thought Jack Driscoll actually played better on the left side than he did on the right side. Yeah, I know. He's going up against one of the best football players in the entire game, but he didn't get the job done the other night when he filled in for Lane Johnson. Is it a given they just go to Driscoll again at right tackle, or do they revisit the Jordan Mailata goes to the right side and Andre Dillard gets plugged in to the left side. John always likes to remind us that the Eagles don't like doing that. They don't want to make two moves when they can only make one move. But uh, if Driscoll did struggle out there last week, if Lane's a no-go, how does the Eagle offensive line look next week against Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think John's right. I think, you know, they don't want to change multiple starters if they don't really have to. And I think Driscoll, they have enough confidence in him uh, to put him there at right tackle as a one-for-one replacement. And, you know, concussions are really hard to really, you know, predict the timeline on. So I don't want to, you know, downplay that at all. But I do think, you know, having the bye week here is going to give Lane enough time um, to get back. You know, again, we'll see. But I I think there's, you know, certainly reason to be optimistic that he can play. I would say it's more likely than, than not. 
I agree with you there, Brandon. Uh, make sure you follow VLG on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Uh, read him at bleedinggreennation.com, BGN Radio with Jimmy Kemsky, buddy, SB Nation, NFL. So many podcasts I can't keep up. <laughs> Too many. Including uh, when he jumps on with us, and we're very happy on Birds 365. But I, I mentioned this yesterday. I want to run it by you, uh, Brandon. Um, most people point to special teams as the biggest issue, and mm-hmm. I, understandably so. On the under-the-radar one is I've been looking at the advanced numbers and in, in, in the film, doing my own self-scout. Tackling. This is not a good tackling team. And I think we all looked at that Detroit game and said it was an outlier. Well, it was the worst. They missed, I think, 15 tackles, but... That actually was not the outlier. Washington was the one game they tackled well. Yeah. That was the outlier. Everything else, they can't tackle. And I see I see Derrick Henry on the schedule. I see mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor on the schedule. I see Saquon Barkley on the schedule. Should people be more concerned about the tackling issue? Absolutely. Uh, I think they have, I think it's 57 now in six games. So almost like 10 missed tackles yeah, a game. Unbelievable. Uh, it's an issue. And I thought like anecdotally, at least against the Cowboys, it wasn't even just about like, okay, they whiffed on someone entirely. I thought like they were getting on, <clears throat> like they were, they were latching on to these Cowboys players like Zeke or wide receiver, whoever, and they couldn't get the ball carrier down before like the, 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 they would get like extra yardage and move beyond the change or everything. It wasn't like clean tackling. It was like, hang on and for dear life and eventually get them down tackling. So I definitely think, um, yes, that's a, that's a real issue. Um, you can kind of question, you know, how much of that goes back to soft training camp and practice and everything. Um, maybe some of it is that um, they're valuing speed, you know, over these players who could be more physical, um, I don't know for sure what the issue is, but it's definitely, I know it is an issue. So maybe that's something, um, you know, the coaching staff would want to reinforce as well over the buy here, kind of looking at that and looking at maybe how they can fix that in some way and address that issue, because it's, it's certainly been a problem I, going into the week, um, six game here against the Cowboys, um, pro football focus had the Eagles as like their, their 30th graded team out of tackling like, wow. and that, that goes to the numbers i just said too in terms of 57 and six games now so it's certainly an issue i think you're both right it's a legit concern despite the fact that the team is six and oh all right uh last one for me blg since we're using initials should the eagles have interest in obj Odell Beckham Jr. has been out there. He's still recovering from the surgery he had last year. I saw one report yesterday said he signed with Minnesota, and mm. then they uh, kind <laughs> that of was that from the back. famous uh, reporter Ben Dover. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would, yeah, I wouldn't take that one seriously. Wishful <laughs> thinking, um, but he, he's talking to several teams, including the Rams, and uh, maybe Ben Dover reported that as well. That uh, the Rams made him almost an insulting offer that he very easily turned down. Eagles are good at wide receiver, but depth is depth, and uh, we all know that anybody is one play away from blowing out a knee. Should the Eagles, if the price is right, meaning cheap, uh, because he wants to go try and go back to back with being a guy stepping in to help a championship run. Should the Eagles have interest in Odell Beckham Jr.? Sure. Um, I mean, if he wants to be, you know, I, I don't think he would have interest here. It would be the bigger issue because yeah. uh, in terms of role and everything, and I don't think he's going to be getting quite the amount of 
playing time slash targets that he would really ideally like to have. So it'd be it'd have to be a very unselfish um, you know attitude from him coming in. You know, but if he's your wide receiver three, you know, <laughs> instead of Quez Watkins, sure. I mean, that's, you know, he's obviously There's another better. guy we should have mentioned when we talk about disappointing Quez yes. Watkins. No, yeah, for no. sure. He had what like this this um, the touchdown catch and what sixty nine yard performance or whatever in week two and since yeah then, Minnesota you had the big play but other than yes. that it's been you know it's been very quiet and part of him. it is though but part of it uh, Brandon is you know AJ's so good Devontae's so good sure. Dallas is so good why why as you mentioned why go away from them they're always yeah. open. Yes, and I don't think it's like you don't want him to be a volume target by any means. But you no. know, you, you want the we need more. There, there needs to be more big plays from him. He should be like a guy who should have games here where it's either like, you know, all right, you might have a couple zero receiving yard games, whatever. But then he has like a game where it's you know like you know eighty eight and, and a huge touchdown. I think he should kind of be a feast or famine guy. And he did have that one moment, but it's really been more famine than feast. All right, one bone to pick with you before we let you go. I was on Uh-oh. the site this morning. <laughs> the BNG Power Rankings, Eagles at number two. Yeah, I would say one, but fine. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, as long as it's the Bills, they're the two best teams, one mm-hmm. and two or two and one, either way. Right. My J-E-T-S, Jets, Uh-oh. Jets, Jets, Uh-oh. number 15. Have you been <laughs> watching this team? Well, Come on, they're borderline top 10. Other power ratings have them in the top 10, and you got them <laughs> at number 15. Why the green resents? I'm all about the quarterback, Jody, and I still i am not. I know they're winning in spite of him or with him, whatever you want to say, but I think it's more <laughs> in spite. spite. Yeah. But I, I just don't believe that yet. I, I, I do think. When they get the know, five and two this week, can you get them to the top 12? A half dozen if they go in and beat Denver in Denver on Sunday. Look, we're talking about a Jets team here that before this season was like the worst team in the league since 2017. So I can't give them all they the felt, benefit of the they doubt. They were actually yet. tied with the Giants. That's right. And exactly. guess what? The Giants are in your top 10, aren't That's, they? They are. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The Giants that beat the Ravens, though. So, yeah. Yeah. The Jets, I... I Jets beat the Packers. Yeah. What are you talking uh, about? Yeah, Giants yeah, beat the yeah. Ravens. Giants yeah. beat the Ravens at home. <laughs> Jets beat the Packers in Green Bay. Yeah, right? but those Packers aren't looking good. And so, the, and so did the Giants. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, they beat him in London. Uh, I do like Quentin Williams, though, Jody. Love sure. him. Stud. Great player. Stone Cold Stud. All right, BLG, always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate you hopping on. Uh, you're doing a hell of a job self-scouting, you know, even if I've got to uh, push you along a little bit on the Jets. Uh, <laughs> thank you much for jumping in with us today. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Brandon Lee Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation, uh, a tremendous Eagles uh, website. And, yeah. He does about 27 podcasts. He, he is on absolutely everywhere. But the reason I love the guy is not only because he's good at what he does, he says yes. When we ask him to come on Birds 365 or when I ask him to jump aboard with me on WIP. He's a good I, guy. He's the, BLG. Good guy. Good dude and a very good Eagle reporter. John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We're Mac and Mac guys. We're nice guys too, which means you can go ahead and hit that like button. Uh, our algorithm could use a little juicing here if you're enjoying uh, uh, us here on Birds 365. Even during a down week, thank you for coming in. You got to make a commitment to be here on a, uh, an off week, a bye week for the Eagles. So we thank you, but we'd like you to thank us as well by hitting that like button, like, share, and subscribe to Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, Mac and Mac coming back. 
Next hour, we'll get you a Kapadia from the ringer up here. A lot yet to do here on Bleeding Green Nation. First, five. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com. Score and save this football season on your car insurance. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an audible this season and contact the Del Val Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of Del Val Insurance, 215-354-0122. Or score and save at DVIGI.com. DVIGI.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Give DryTech a call or check us out online. All right, let's go 200 JetX Over the last 17 years, we've built a reputation of growing award-winning teams across the country. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
got John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Mega Mag Birds 365 guys here. On a bye week Thursday. Yes, it's a bye week. No Eagle game on Sunday. Eagle fans. I know most of you are Philly fans as well. So game five Sunday against the San Diego Padres. Still could be a, an elimination game. Hopefully the Phillies eliminating the Padres, not the other way around. Um, Phil's got beat last night, uh, but you can uh, let your attention drift to baseball. We know you're all diehard football fans. If you're watching Birds 365, we know you're a diehard football fan. Um, but this is the down week, the bye week for the Eagles. And it's good news in that Lane Johnson goes down with the concussion the other night. And you never know how severe a concussion is. They're not going to reveal that information to John McMullen or Brandon Lee Gowton or anybody else for that. They're going to keep that information as close to the best as possible. But the Eagles do have a slight advantage in that if the Eagles are playing Sunday, it'd be much less of a chance of Lane Johnson playing than it will be seven days down the road. Uh, I got BLG's take on it. Need yours as well. If Lane is out, if overabundance of caution and or it was a severe concussion and he's, he's rightfully out of the lineup not the eagles uh being a little overly cautious just plug driscoll in and go and say all right jack you'll be better for it back on the right side you got tested last week by michael parsons you're not going to be facing that with any of the Steeler guys they've got a pretty good defensive passing uh d-line but uh, not to the level of uh michael parsons it's just Driscoll gets the gig and goes. I know you mentioned yesterday or the day before Brett Toth getting a little bit closer to being able to be reinserted into the Eagle lineup. How does the right tackle position go if the birds uh, don't have Lane Johnson up and right? Yeah, that was uh, the Toth stuff was uh, Ed Kratz more than me. He's a big, was it Kratz? Okay. Yeah, he's a big Toth, Toth guy. Not that, or Toth, I should say, but. Is it Toth? Um, I, I, yes. Um, he, and, and by the way, Brett's more of a natural left tackle, um, than right tackle. Now they like Jack Driscoll, right tackle. They, they think that's his most natural position. It is his most now. I think he was better at right guard than right tackle, but that's my personal opinion. Um, they think he's best at right tackle and it would be one of those situations where, um, he has a week to prepare. They would kind of know that Lane would be out. And, you know, that's a better situation than coming in cold against Micah Parsons. As you mentioned, uh, TJ Watt, I don't know where he is health-wise, but as long as he's not out there um, and he's not expected to be back uh, by that point, um, uh, I wouldn't have much concern about putting Jack Driscoll out. And that's the way they would go. But the good news is they're not Miami and they don't have to play the PR game. And Lane will be, um, you know, you never say anything's a hundred percent, but very confident that that bye week came along at the right time for Lane Johnson. May, maybe if it were this Sunday, it would be an issue, but not, not a week from Sunday. Hopefully that's exactly the case. Um, then let me ask you about Toth. If he's a left tackle in your eyes, I thought he was a guy who was graded out. And well, he's very it. versatile, but that, 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 he played important. center last year in that Week 17 game. Exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> but if you're telling me left tackle is his number one position, versatility included that he can be moved around and go to different spots, but his most natural position is left tackle. 
if he is up and ready to go and they feel confident that if they needed to, they could plug him in, will that affect the way they handle Andre Dillard uh, before the trade deadline? Because we got 11 days before that. Maybe there's a team that suffers a left tackle injury this week and says, man, we're still a playoff team, but our backup left tackle just isn't good enough. And Andre Dell, we liked Andre Dell. We keep saying that about Christian McCaffrey, right? All oh, the Eagles loved him draft time. They, they were going to take him. Well, maybe there's a team out there that was that big a fan, Andre Dillard, and he just got plucked off in the first round by the Eagles before they were ready to go. Uh, if the perfect fit pops up, would they trade Andre Dillard? What do you think the price would be if they were to move him uh, to trade them? Well, I think they wouldn't trade him for anything less than a second round pick. And I don't think they're getting a second round pick. So, um, you know, the Eagles are very cognizant and they're right. They're a Super Bowl contender and they don't want to mess with, uh, with that depth. But, you know, if somebody wows them, I, more than 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 Toth, it, it would have to do with Driscoll because Driscoll proved he could play left tackle as well. I think there was a lot of concern about that. Um, you know, Jack's just a better player than Brett, um, you know, and the Eagles value Jack Driscoll. He's the sixth man, so to speak, uh, on the offensive line. Andre's a little bit different because he's a left tackle, only a left tackle. Uh, but they think he's a good left tackle. They're not going to give him away. Um, but the fact that Jack Driscoll, the fact that he was hurt and Jack Driscoll had to play left tackle and he held up, I think opens the door a little bit more. Um, and if they get bowled over, you know, they know they're going to lose him anyway. Um, but anything short of getting bowled over, they'd rather have the protection in case um, something happens to Jordan and something's already happened to Jordan. Jordan's not a hundred percent. He's probably not going to be a hundred percent the entire season. So you have to factor that in as well. The safety net uh, that is the Eagle strength as uh, backups on the offensive line. It'd be interesting. I'd just love to see uh, some team come out of nowhere and uh, make Howie Roseman make a decision or from a second round pick, because then that would be a tricky call. I got to give a nod to our buddy. I think you mentioned him earlier in the show, Jimmy Kemsky uh, from Philly Voice. He did a uh, <clears throat> column yesterday about potential deals for the Eagles. And he mentioned a name that I had not heard anybody else mention yet. And if you did, John, I apologize. Please say so. Um, a guy who I absolutely positively loved when he was coming out of the draft. And he hasn't had near the career I thought he was going to have and has changed teams. But, and, and I haven't watched them play enough this year to register a major opinion on him. But Jabril Peppers, dual purpose. Number one, you and I said earlier in the show, could they use a better backup safety? I don't think Jabril Peppers comes in and replaces either Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and or uh, Epsi he would be the third safety, the backup safety, the safety net safety if he were to be acquired. And he was pretty good at returning punts and kicks when he was at the University of Michigan. And I thought he was going to be a dual-purpose guy, could do that and play safety. Uh, he got the hitter mentality. He plays out his contract. He signs a one-year deal with the Patriots this year for under $2 million. 
which I thought was cheap. Now, the Eagles needed a safety this offseason, and they didn't jump into the uh, Jabril Prepper's, uh, Pepper's uh, pool, and he was had for under $2 million. So it kind of tells you ahead of time that the Eagles aren't as big a fan as of Jabril Preppers as Johnny McDonald is. What do you think about Jabril Preppers if uh, if he becomes available? Would and should the Eagles have any interest in him as a backup safety and a potential <laughs> returner? Oh, boy, the return part, yeah, I haven't thought about with Jabril Peppers. He was in a good long at Michigan. Time. I know we're a yeah. couple of years removed from that, yeah. but he made some big plays making returns for the Wolverines when he was there. Yeah, and I know he did a lot of punt returning, which is the more important part. Um, but you know, that to me is more interesting than the backup safety. Um, because I look, I know what the Eagles value with safety and its coverage, and you see it with Marcus Epps as a coverage safety. Chauncey Gardner was a corner and they moved him to safety because they want coverage, 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 and he's more of a uh, a box safety and more of a traditional safety, and they yep. just they don't look for that type of player. Um, but maybe it's wrong. Well, 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 time out, Philadelphia. Hadn't John McMullen been telling me for two days that one of the eagle issues, one of the very few eagle issues, but legit eagle issues, is they're not the best tackling team in the National Football League. Yeah, but they don't seem to care. I care, okay. but it's not maybe, my. Maybe they listen to the Birds three sixty five, and they're going to take McMullen's heed. You know, yeah. we got to tackle better, and if we got a better backup safety tackler. It might make us a better football team. I just don't think they look at safeties in that way anymore. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're ahead of the curve because uh, nobody can tackle. Although they're worse, you know, when you say everything's contextual, as Brandon pointed out, they're thirtieth, and really they're tied with Cleveland, so they're really second to last. Only one team tackles worse, according to PFF. Um, and they've missed 57 tackles, as as BLG pointed out. All of that is true, and I don't think they care. Now, now can they this, cover? Is this a new coaching staff thing? Because Howie has certainly been here for a long time. Yeah, they it's a had coaching a guy, staff. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make a comparison between the two because one is certainly better than the other. But there are some similarities between the way he plays safety, Jabril Peppers, and that Malcolm Jenkins guy, who was pretty damn good for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he wasn't, he's a, probably a better cover guy than Jabril Peppers, but that wasn't his forte. It was his flexibility, his ability to come up and, and stop the run. Uh, Malcolm did a lot of things well when he was here as an outstanding safety for the Eagles. And how he was a good guy who went out and got uh, Malcolm. So uh, this is a Jonathan Gannon and the defensive back coaching staff. Uh, type position, not necessarily an organizational yeah. position. Uh, it's definitely the coaching staff, and they want coverage guys at safety. Um, yeah, and Jim Swartz was different. And, uh, yeah, I don't think Malcolm would fit in with this defense, to be honest. Um, you know, maybe in his younger days, uh, a little bit better. People forget Malcolm was a corner coming Cornerback out. Cornerback first, yeah. yeah. But then he turned into this monster of a safety, um, which tells you can happen. You know, it's it, you want to find somebody who could do it both. I mean, let's be honest. But those 
Everything's and, getting more specialized in the Marcus NFL. Marcus Williams, and that's why they're willing yeah. to pay him some pretty big money. Well, you know, Marcus had one of the biggest missed tackles in the history of the world. Uh, uh, the step on Diggs, uh, Minneapolis mirror. That, that was Marcus right. Williams. That was Marcus Williams. That was Marcus Williams. Wow, and that's as bad a blown tackle as you will ever Eey. see in your entire life. So he's not Malcolm Jenkins either. He's more of a covered safety. And that's why the Eagles wanted him. And that's why they didn't have too much interest in Kyle Hamilton because he wasn't the pure coverage safety. Um, I don't agree with it, but that's that's where we are. With the, and that that'll tell you how well Marcus Williams has played. That even being the guy who had as big a missed tackle as he's been in the NFL in the last five years, he still got paid big bucks. So he did a whole bunch of other things well thereafter. He, he can cover, man. He can cover. And that's what you know. I will say this: more teams think like the Eagles think now than the Jim Swartz thinking. Um and it's all about coverage. All yeah, about need, coverage. Na- nowadays, you need four guys who cover. You need uh, your two corners, your slot corner, and one of your safeties is a coverage guy. Maybe that's why tackling isn't as good as it used to be in the NFL. You think? All right. <laughs> what, what, one quick question for you before uh, we're going to get uh, hopefully Shield Kapati up here and joining us in, in a couple minutes uh, from the Ringer to talk some birds. You mentioned the Eagles are tied for 30th or 31st in tackling in the National Football League. Who's 32nd? Jacksonville. Correct. Peterson. Yeah. Dougie P. How the hell are the Jags a three-point favorite over the Giants this week in Jacksonville? I checked the, the matchups, and I always check the lines when I check the matchups, and I saw the Jags are a three-point home favorite over the Giants. The 5-1 yeah, Giants against the, Giants. the worst tackling team in the National Football League. How are the Jags a favorite in that game? Bad line. Nobody respects the Giants um, still. By the way, with tackling, I, I also have to mention, did you see the game Alex Singleton had? You talk about statistics. Numbers. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. But anyway, I wanted to mention my old buddy Alex Singleton. He's having a great year in Denver. Did nice not see that coming. Them, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far, yeah, I think. A, it's a bad line. I think B, nobody respects the Giants, and I'm in that category. I have not respected the Giants at all. So no, you haven't. I don't. I don't. You're I not calling them bad anymore. But no, you haven't gotten the good yet either. I I don't think anyone thinks the Giants are for real yet. I don't think anybody does. I think you're as close as I've seen, Jody, to say Here, eh, maybe they are. On the Giants, decent. I think their defense is real. And I had Bob Pop on my show, who uh, most people should know. He's the voice of the Giants on the radio. He does television work for MSG up in New York as well, does shows with all the coaches. He's got a lot of access. For a media guy, he's got a ton of access to the team. Um, and he's been singing the pra- – he sung the praises of uh, Wink Martindale on my show the other night and said, Jody, he came in, and you would think a guy like Wink Martindale, who's had the success that he's had in the National Football League, would say – Here's, I'm coming in, we're doing this. This is my system, and we're going to make it work. So the first thing Martindale said was, we're going to be flexible. I'm going to come in and evaluate all the talent, and we're going to build the defense to fit the skill sets of my important defensive players, which I will always think is the best way to do it. Oh, yeah. 
change over time. You're going to change your players. You have to have a flexible system. But to start, you should say, well, let's see what I got here to work with. Not I'm going to try and put that square peg in that round hole. And it really has worked for the Giants this year. They've been good on defense. I still question their offense. They got a bunch of no-name guys playing wide receiver. Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. Their offensive line is improved, but it's not the Eagles' offensive line. That's for damn sure. They got Saquon Barkley, who's a stud, but uh, I don't love the Giant offense. But I think the Giants' defense. Well, I I will say, you know, for years now, the Giants have had a good front. You know, you you talk about Leonard Williams, who you know well from a former Jet Giant, really good player. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is a good, really good player. Um, they had Dalvin Tomlinson. They lost him, but he was a really good player. He still is. Um, and then they had Kayvon Thibodeau, who's say what you want, but he's got extraordinary Made a big play in the Raven gifts. game. Slapped the ball out of Lamar Jackson's yeah. hands the other day. He's got tremendous physical gifts. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, who I liked, and I said – you remember me. I said, if they took Ojolari in the first round, they the took Tony second in the second, yep. I would have had no issues with that. <laughs> and it looks terrible because they took Tony uh, in the first round. Uh, he's a good player. Um, so it doesn't surprise me with the front. The back seven, though, I'm a little surprised because other than Xavier McKinney, who I think is a pretty good player uh, at safety, I mean, they're throwing Jalen Smith out there at linebacker. I don't know who else they got. Uh, you know, the rest of the secondary hasn't been great. So I don't believe in them just yet. But that front, that front, that's start, starting to turn into a, uh, you know, when Washington had the five first round picks. That front, that front is good. It's really they've, good. They've invested in it. Quick aside, and Shields scheduled to join us coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, you know, I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. Haven't been, haven't changed my mind. Uh, <laughs> Papa gave this qualifier in Daniel Jones. You remember last year when Sirianni went off on that one particular play where the wide receiver on TV seemed to be wide open? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he had the 20 minute right. diatribe on, you right. don't understand. Here's what the pattern was supposed to be. The guy didn't come close to doing what. Well. That's not part of what he's supposed to be reading on the play. And he really went in depth to explain yeah. how yeah. the Eagle offense worked in life. Apparently, the Giants' top two wide receivers, at least per what they're paying them and where they use draft rights, have no idea what routes to run. The Tony and Galloway. And Galloway is basically on the Galloway, bench. Yeah. They almost yeah. don't play him anymore. And they they limited Tony as well because the guys just don't run the routes they're supposed to run. Said, That's why it's so difficult for Daniel uh, uh, Danny Dimes. He looks up and the guy's not where he's supposed yeah. to be. He's always Can't looking that, into that, a, a zone to read. And there's nobody there. And he knows it's supposed to be there. Rule number one for any receiver in this league, and Sheil, our buddy Sheil Capati is going to be on to talk about it. Don't fool the quarterback. Do not fool the quarterback. Yeah. So if you're not in the right position, that is a disaster for the quarterback. And that's why I'm not sure about the Giants offense, but I've been <laughs> impressed by the Giants defense. All right, John McMullen and Jordy McDonald. Sheil Capati of the Ringer is going to join us next. Keep it right here on Bird Street 65. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, 
But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Jody is, um, you're muted, buddy. I can't hear you. Let's see if that, Sheil, you can't hear him, can you? I can hear you. I can't hear you. All Jody. right. So we'll get Jody. Jody, you're muted, but I'll I'll take over. Sheil, good to see you, number one. Uh, thanks for jumping on the show. The Ringer can read Shield there. Listen to him everywhere. How many podcasts you got over there? The Philly Special, everything. Yeah, we yeah, we've got the Ringers Philly special where we talk Eagles, Philly, Sixers, and whatever else is going on. And then uh, on the Ringer NFL feed, I've got uh, two shows a week. So if you want just NFL coverage, you can check that out on Monday and Thursday. There you go. I got the plugs out of the way. All right. We the got the plugs seconds. out of the way. We can talk about the Eagles bye week. Jody, you're still muted. Hopefully we can figure out why Jody is muted. But uh, we will continue on with Shield Kapadia. 
Um, uh, you know, it's bye week here in Philadelphia. Obviously, you've been doing some Phillies work. So it's in a lot of ways, it, I think it's perfect for the Eagles because they're 6-0. and We generally have this, you know, the Eagles are everything in this town, as you know, and they kind of get to fly under the radar. You think that's a good thing for the Eagles as they go through this self-scout and try to keep this up as being, if not the best team in football, certainly amongst the best two or three. Yeah, I think when the schedule first comes out, you always look at the bye week card. Is this at a good time or a bad time? And this one, when it first came out, you're thinking, all right, it's a little bit early. You're a third of the way really into the season. But with the injuries and some of the stuff they've had going on uh, up front, I think it comes at a great time. You know, they're 6-0. and They're feeling good. They can look at – they can do the self-scouting. They can look at what's working, what's not working, really look ahead – and try to predict because really a lot of stuff has been working pretty well. They're, they're the only undefeated team in the NFL, but you want to get ahead of it. So yeah, I think it comes at a good time for them. It comes at a good time for me. I mean, these baseball games every night and then watching the <laughs> film of the Eagles on Tuesday and then keeping up with the NFL. I mean, I don't want to burn out by Thanksgiving. So uh, I'm happy to just be able to watch the Phillies here this weekend. We can chill with the Eagles and then get ready for their final 11 games. Hopefully you guys got me. Can you hear me yeah, now? We got you. Yeah. Good. We got uh, some technical issues. Thanks for uh, hanging with me, guys. Uh, and yes, when I asked Gil to come on the show, I had to uh, butter him up by saying, "Love the pictures of you and your daughter at the uh, Phillies game." Did the same thing with my daughter for uh, the series against Atlanta, which is very cool when you get to hang out with your daughter at playoff baseball games. But back to football. Six games in, like you said, a little under one third of the season. What has surprised you most about the Philadelphia Eagles? We all had our preseason expectations, predictions, and the like. They are 6-0. They've got a question or two attached to them, but how do you complain with 6-0? What has been the most surprisingly good thing about the Philadelphia Eagles through six games for Shukapadia? It's probably Jalen Hurts' development. You know, not, not to say that I'm shocked by it, but that Vikings game really stands out to me. You know, there have been games where he hasn't had to be Superman and you're not saying wow he's really taken a huge step but that game specifically to me I thought he reached a level which we hadn't seen all of last year and just the way he was operating from the pocket the way the passing game was clicking and so um, you know I I think that that was the question going into the season what was his development going to be like with the new supporting cast with AJ Brown and you look at it they've had a top five offense uh, in terms of efficiency through the first six games of the season and so that you know not the biggest surprise in the world, I guess. You know, you, you could kind of see it with the pieces around him, but still there was uncertainty around what version of Jalen Hurts you would get, and I, I think he's played well. Uh, to continue with that theme, Shield, I, I, you know, one of the things I'm impressed with the Eagles is the coaching staff, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Kevin Petullo, Brian Johnson, the way they've developed uh, Jalen Hurts. Um you know, you've been around this team for a long time. We all know what Jeffrey Lurie wants in the offseason. I think Nick Sirianni paid lip service to that in the offseason. And then when the games start, he does what he says he does. He's going to do anything to win a particular football game. If that's running Jalen Hurts 15 times, he'll run him 15 times. If that's, you know, shoving it down Jacksonville's throat in bad weather, he'll do that. You mentioned the Minnesota game. It was just take advantage of that soft zone, throw the football. He he morphs week in and week out. 
you have a beat on this league from your time at the athletic, from a national perspective, now with the ringer. That's rare. That you know, there's not every coach that is that malleable. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they don't overthink it. Uh, you know, you, like you said, they're looking at, I mean, it's really the core of coaching. Look at the personnel you have, the talent you have at your disposal, and then come up with ways to maximize, make, make the sum, uh, you know, greater than the individual parts. And that's really what they've done. I mean, take that game last week, for example. They ran the same uh, run-pass option, the same yeah. RPO three times. They get it on a fourth and three. They did it on A.J. Brown's first touchdown, and then they, they did it on Devontae Smith. Smith's touchdown in the second half you know there are coaches who they get into these games and oh well we you know like like Sean Payton had this monstrous playbook and Sean Payton's fantastic don't get me wrong but not every coach is Sean Payton you get into trouble when you think you're Sean Payton and you're not him or you think you're Bill Belichick and you're not him and so I think what the Eagles have done is they've just said listen we're probably going to have an edge with our offensive line most weeks if not every week we're probably going to have an edge one-on-one with three guys, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard in most matchups, unless you're facing you know, a top three or four uh, defense in the NFL. Let's not overcomplicate this. Let's get to the place Jalen Hurts is comfortable with. Let's get the ball in our playmaker's hands. Let's let our offensive line impose its will. I mean, these last two fourth-quarter drives, that's rare. They're just in a big spot. That's a high-level yeah. spot, and you're coming out and you're running the ball 10 out of 13 plays and going down the field uh, like they did. And then the previous week, 17 plays, 70 yards. And so they're just leaning into their strengths and not overthinking it. And if something's working, go back to it, go back to it, go back to it. Once they show they can stop it, all right, come up with a plan B, come up with a wrinkle. But until they do that, you don't have to overthink it and say, well, we practiced this play on Thursday and we really liked it when we were watching film and it was so cool when this other team used it. Hey, let's make sure we get to it. No, you don't need to do that. Uh, you need to go with what works, like you said, and what wins the game. I chill. I'm in my car two days ago uh, and I got uh, my guys from WIP on Marks and Reese and they put their poll question out. It, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, it was an A or B question. The actual best answer is C, a combination of the two, but that wasn't an option. And I'm not going to give you that option either. The Eagles are 6-0. and They've got a lead now in the NFL and the NFC. The standings <clears throat> say what they say. Are the Eagles where they're at at 6-0 and and leading everybody at this point because they're just that good or more so because the rest of the NFL is that mediocre or average and the Eagles are above average and that allowed them to open up a little distance between themselves and everybody else. Understood. The answer is B C it's both to a percentage, but if you only have choice A or choice B, which one is it more? Yeah, I would say it's because they're a really good team. I mean, like you said, we know it's a combination of the two, but I mean that win against the Vikings, you blow the Vikings out and the Vikings have lost one game this season right there uh one or two games uh this season you know that that Jaguars game I know the weather had an effect but they've won some games this season the Cowboys with Cooper Rush we look at oh it was Cooper Rush that's fine they beat the Bengals they beat the Rams I mean they they, they held the Bucks to what 19 points in week one that's a good defense and so uh I'm with you I you know it, it would kind of be fun I was thinking if in the second half of the season we got to see him play the Bills or the Chiefs, or, you know, the Bucs, some of these teams, uh, whatever teams you think are really good, the Ravens, you know, get tested a little bit more. 
they have an easy schedule. You don't you don't need to apologize for an easy schedule. The breaks yeah. are what the breaks are. Uh, you beat the teams. We, we've seen Eagles teams in the past have an easy schedule or be seven-point favorites, and you have the letdown game, and they haven't had the letdown game. They're winning these games pretty comfortably, even if they're <laughs> having little lulls here and there. I mean, last week, you know, it felt like a nail-biter. They won the game by nine points. I mean, most games are not decided by nine points in the NFL. Most of them are uh, under seven, under six, around three points. So uh, I'll give them credit. I don't think it's fluky what they've done so far. Uh, The schedule has played a role in it. But at the same time, you know, we can believe our eyes and they're dominating some of these teams. Yeah, I'm with you, Shio. I go back to the Super Bowl season and, and I thought, you know, I think it was the Carolina game where I first said, uh, this is a really good team. This is a, a really good team. And I started to get that feeling. This this year it was even earlier. I, I was like, wow, this this team's good. This this team's really, really good. Um, and I don't think that's changing, but we do, you know Philadelphia better than most. And you know. People nitpick, and that's what we do. A lot of times we do it here on this show. I I look at the 6-0 and start, and I say, all right, how can you sustain it? I hear other people, and I get it from the Eagles' perspective. I mean, they want to get better. They want to play up to the standard, the nebulous standard of perfection, which, which doesn't exist. You mentioned the lulls. Everybody's concerned about the lulls. I think it's human nature. One, one thing I look at and say – how is this sustainable? And that's the plus 12, plus yeah. 12 in turnovers. The, the number two team in this league is plus four, Shield. They're yeah. plus 12. They've turned it over two times. Is that sustainable? There's a bit, no. there's some randomness to that. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's randomness to it. It's not sustainable throughout the course of a season. I haven't looked up the numbers, but if you take that plus 12, and then multiply it by, yeah. you know, keep this uh, rate yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah. It would be an NFL record. I mean, no one has ever done that. So uh, to me, it's interesting to look at if you split up offense and defense. You know, offense, I sort of feel like I want to give Jalen Hurts credit for that. I mean, he has scrambled 76 times since the start of last season and has not fumbled the ball once on any of those scrambles. I mean, you watch teams around the league, the way quarterbacks are running when they take off their field, and that's rare. And so I I do think he deserves credit for being really good at that, taking care of the football and the balls in his hands like every play. I mean, he's, you know, he's even off sometimes. A lot of those are option plays. And so he's still, that ball handling uh, is really impressive, and we probably don't give him the credit that he deserves there. Defensively, I'm with you. You know, I think if we see some issues for this team uh, the next 11 games and they're not getting those turnovers that they're getting now, it's more, hey, just got to kind of drive in and drive out and stop the opponent. That will be interesting to see once they face some good offenses. But it goes back to the point we just made. Not a lot of great offenses on this schedule, you know, the rest of the way. The Packers are struggling. It's still Aaron Rodgers. The Cowboys, you'll have Dak Prescott. Uh, the Giants have certainly improved but I don't you know if you look at the talent there they're they're doing more with less that's a good uh coaching job it's not like they're 
loaded. And just the next month of the season, you really face some cupcake offenses again. So uh, I think it, I think you're right. I think that randomness, you know, their stuff with, hey, a pass gets deflected. Did you have a guy there to make the interception? Did he drop the interception? A fumble. Well, who recovered it? Sometimes that's random. But it's, it's uh, you know, it's an oddly shaped uh, football. Which way does it balance? And who jumps on it? Those types of things. Sometimes they go in your favor. Sometimes they don't go in your favor. And so uh, I think that's something that'll probably even itself out a little bit the rest of the way. Speaking of giving coaches credit, um, I did earlier in the week, John did as well. <clears throat> when am I going to be able to get my Stoutland University t-shirt? I'm still <laughs> bummed out that I haven't seen it anywhere. That was great with my lot of the other day during the introductions. Stoutland University. Uh, he's the best offensive line coach. That's, that's a no argument position to take. Jeff Stoutland, best offensive uh, line coach in Philadelphia. Have we gotten to the point where we just almost take them for granted? That's one of the reasons why I love what my lot of did. Because, again, pointing to the fact that you guys are so lucky to have the best offensive line coach in football. How good is Stoutland? Yeah, I, wrote, I did a big story on him uh, two or three years ago, you know, after they won the Super Bowl. And it was just, uh, you know, one of the most important members of the organization. And it's baffling that some of these teams don't view the offensive line coach the priority that the Eagles have. And remember, he was brought in under Chip Kelly, and then he stays under Doug Peterson, and then he stays under Nick Sirianni. And I'm sure he's had opportunities to leave. You know, he, he, this guy coached for Nick, with Nick Saban yeah. at Alabama. You know, there are a lot of uh, options he would have. And so it's rare for a guy to stick around through three coaching tenures. One coach, I think, high up in the organization. He's very valued, and for good reason. Because last year, I mean, we don't even remember this from last year. They didn't have their two starting guards the entire season. I mean, both guys, Sayamalu and Brandon Brooks, those were supposed to be their starting guards. Both guys got injured, and they had a top-five offensive line. I mean, look around the NFL. You lose two starters on the offensive line. A lot of times, that torpedoes your entire season. You look at some of these games, you know, Jordan Mailata goes down. Lane Johnson goes down. Uh, Landon Dickerson leaves for a couple possessions. Uh, yeah, we have some plays here and there where we go, okay, Driscoll got beat here. Uh, Suo Peta, not great there. But this isn't, they're not wrecking their game plans. They're not, they're not losing the games for them. It's really hard to do. I mean, again, you just look at some of these teams around the NFL that have had injuries up front, and it kind of ruins their entire week. It ruins their entire season. It ruins these stretches. Their offenses can't function. And that doesn't happen with the Eagles uh, because, like you mentioned, the offensive line coach has these guys, uh, Jeff Stoutland, has them prepared week in and week out. I mean, Jordan Mailata, as much as we talk about it, we probably don't still don't give that enough credit. I mean, it's just yeah. incredibly Oh, it's rare. unbelievable. Every it's once unbelievable. in a while I think about it, Shield. Every yeah, once in a while. I mean, never played football and now yeah. is a top 10 left tackle. Not a guard, a left tackle. The premium yeah. position on the offensive line. The guys that get paid $23 million a year and that, you know, I would say two thirds of the league are saying, man, I wish we had an upgrade at this spot. We don't have one of those 10 guys that's really that good. And, uh, you know, my certainly deserves credit. He was putting in the work, but, uh, you know, as he mentioned, Jeff Stoutland university, he knows that if he's in a different spot, maybe his career doesn't go the way uh, it's gone. Yeah. Hidden MVP of the Eagles, maybe Allison Stoutland, who is the wife of yeah. Jeff Stoutland. I think a lot of people forget Bruce Feldman, who might be the best college football reporter in the country, uh, reported Jeff Stoutland was going back to Alabama uh, when Doug Peterson got fired. Um, and Allison Stoutland said, I'm not going. 
<laughs> she likes the area. So uh, yeah. Jeff, the Eagles were able to talk Jeff Stoutland back. So, uh, yeah, he's done a phenomenal job. Interesting thing about Jeff, Shield. Why does nobody hire his assistants around the NFL? There are so many bad offensive lines in the NFL. I, I'm surprised Roy Isban now, Eugene Chung before. Why do people not hire Jeff Stoutland's assistants and try at least try to replicate what the Eagles have been able to do on the offensive line? Yeah, it's so tough with coaches. You know, you don't know. I would always make the joke, you know, don't don't hire uh, someone just because they once drove Sean McVay to the airport. Or, yeah, you know, had, had brunch with him. They the get interviews. Yeah, they it get does, yeah, it, do, it doesn't always rub off uh, in that way where you're, you know, we've seen it with Bill Belichick assistant. So uh, it's, it's a fair question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know well enough what those guys have done, how much of uh, what Stoutland does kind of rubs off on them and that they would be able to take to a new place, but, uh, you know, certainly would uh, would probably be worth a look if you're looking for an offensive line coach. All right. Uh, we've uh, thrown this out a couple times this week, Shield, because it's the bye week and uh, we're looking for things to talk about. Howie Roseman, contract extensions. He's been very good at identifying guys, getting extensions done, part of the foundation. This is not a foundational player but it should be a player that they should be considering uh, having on the team in 2022. And that's Brandon Graham. A lot of conversation this offseason. Brandon's last year. Would he actually go sign with someone else if he wants to continue to play? Are the Eagles ready to move on from Brandon Graham? Well, he's come back and he's making plays and he's contributing pretty big. We know what he means to the locker room, but I'm talking about on-field production. He's been getting the job done. How tricky a negotiation is that for Howie Roseman and Brandon Graham? This And it could be starting like uh, today, this afternoon, not just wait till yeah. the season ends and let the whole year play out. Is there a conversation to be had about an extension with Brandon Graham for the birds? Well, I'll tell you what, he saved a touchdown last week watching the film uh, this week, that oh, yeah. pressure oh, he yeah. had. I mean, James, yeah. James Bradbury falls down on a double move. Eagles have a middle of the field safety. I mean, that's a that's a sixty yard touchdown to CD Lamb most of the time if he doesn't get there in time with that pressure. So, I mean, it kind of depends what uh, Graham wants to do. Now, Roseman's mo with some of these players who I don't know if legend is the right word, but guys who have been around meant a lot to the organization, meant a lot to the culture. We saw it with Fletcher Cox this last offseason. You know, he signs him to a one year, fourteen million dollar deal. I think that's that was more than any other defensive tackle got last offseason and you know whether he was worth that or not you know what I mean they'll I think uh, take care of those guys I think that you know previous regime and the Brian Dawkins thing always kind of stuck in Howie Roseman's head when he was thinking about some of these core players and so uh, if Graham wants to you know whether it's a one-year deal whether it's uh, uh, what Graham wants to do what the team wants to do but you know they've got Josh Sweat and they've got Hassan Reddick but Beyond that, they're not exactly loaded. You know, who knows uh, what's going to happen with Derek Barnett next uh, next offseason coming off the injury, and he's just not as good of a player as Brandon Graham is. And so, yeah, what, Patrick Johnson? And so it depends. You know, that that's certainly an area where you could see them address uh, in the draft, free agency trade, whatever. But at the same time, if he's your in that rotation as kind of a third-edge player, who can also be a starter if somebody goes down. I mean, I, I would say we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. But as of right now, he's playing like a guy who certainly has that value. 
And BG says he wants to get to 15 and he wants to get to 15 in, in Philadelphia. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But you mentioned uh, uh, the word trade. November 1st is almost here, Shield Kapadia. We know uh, Howie Roseman's history at the trade deadline. A lot of people bring up Jay Ajahi in the Super Bowl season. Not as many bring up Golden Tate, which didn't work out as well. Um, I, I don't want to mess with this team, Shield. At least the core of this team. I don't see a lot of needs. Nick Sirianni talks about connection and chemistry probably a little bit too much, but I do think it's real. Um, if it's a depth piece, add to special teams, maybe get a returner. No problem with that. I don't want to mess with the core of this team. Am I being too cautious? Uh, I think it depends on the guy, you know, and it depends on the coaching staff. Like you mentioned, you know, Ajayi, that Super Bowl season was viewed. It's kind of a malcontent in Miami, yeah. if, you remember, yeah. if you remember it. And then he comes in and, like, the locker room <laughs> seemed to love Jay Ajayi. I mean, he was a great fit. He was a great player. It was a trade that wor worked out. I mean, he really uh, kind of helped them with that running back uh, by committee. And so if it's somebody like that who you're confident with, maybe it's somebody who in the building already knows and you know kind of the makeup of the player, their work ethic, how they are in the locker room. I have no issue with making a move. I mean, listen, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. That's There's no like mincing words. You're 6-0. and You're the favorites in the NFC. Uh, you've got a deep and talented roster. So far, the health, the injury stuff has worked in your favor. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know, you know, what a huge splash would be, what a high risk thing, uh, what a high risk move would be. But if you were to tell me, hey, they add a running back to the mix or, hey, they add a, a cornerback or a safety for some depth purposes, because, you know, that that's one thing I look at. If a safety goes down, if a corner goes down, uh, you're kind of in trouble. I mean, we saw it briefly last week. Yeah, Johnson Kayvon. Johnson yeah. leaves the game and Kayvon Wallace. I mean, you, you don't want him uh, playing every week. If you lose one of those safeties, if Bradbury or Slay goes down, you're in a bit of a pickle there, depending on what you think about a guy like uh, Zach McPherson. So uh, those guys don't, uh, you know, grow on trees starting caliber cornerbacks. But if there's somebody who you kind of like and feel like, hey, let's get ourselves another option. Uh, so cornerback safety, uh, running back, those are areas I think you can at least look at. And then defensive line is just an area they, they kind of always look at. And that's one that you kind of look ahead to 2023. I mean, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are both free agents after the season. So if there's a player you like who you feel like, hey, he can help us now, and he's under contract beyond 2022, then I think you can at least explore that option. All right, Chia, last one for me. I'm going to ask you to do a little role playing for me. I, I just saw this tweet. Great statistical information. The 2021 NFL coaching hires. Urban Meyer done at two and eleven. <laughs> David Culley got his one shot four and thirteen. Dan Campbell biting those kneecaps four seventeen and one. My guy Robert Sala, who's improved, but he's still eight and fifteen over a year and change. Arthur Smith, the Falcons are another team that's better than I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. They're ten and thirteen. Brandon Staley is thirteen and ten. And then there's Nick Sirianni, who's 15 and eight. Not even close. He has far and away the best record of anybody who was hired for the first time as an NFL head coach last year. You play Howie Roseman. I'm the agent for Nick Sirianni. And tomorrow I put a call into you, Howie, and say, you know, 
the coach just loves it there in Philadelphia. You guys have such a great working relationship. Any chance you want to tack on a couple of years? He wants to make the commitment to be a Philadelphia Eagle, maybe for life. How would uh, you like to talk about a contract extension with Nick Sirianni with two plus years to go on his deal because he signed a four-year deal? If you're Harry Roseman, what are you saying? Uh, probably saying let's wait to let's wait till the end of the season. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's let him coach here. I mean, yeah. four years is not you know he's not on yeah. a one-year deal. Settle down over there. Uh, but certainly, I think uh, if this season goes the way uh, you know it certainly could go for them. And that's obviously something you could talk about uh, at the end of the year. But but he's done a good job. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, just kind of the adjustments on offense, the relationships he has with the players, the culture seems strong. He's not like a drill sergeant type. At the same time, he doesn't. He's not a pushover. You know, I, I think they they play discipline. I mean, you watch them play every week. They play uh, a disciplined brand of football. They execute well in high leverage spots. So uh, I think there's a lot to like about him. And it seems like he's just, he's got that Doug Peterson trait of just somebody who is likable around the building. And I think that's really important to ownership. Uh, that's important to Howie Roseman. I don't think Sirianni's going to go in there and say, get me player X, Y, and Z. I want to start making draft picks. So yeah. that's the kind of balance you need in a role in the Eagles organization. So I think he fits all those things. The ringer.com shield Capati, read them there. Philly special last one for me, since we're talking contract extensions, I agree with you. This defense shield though, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham. We already talked about uh, Kaiser white, James Bradbury, Marcus Epps, TJ Edwards. Everybody's on a one-year deal, basically. Um, How he's known uh, for getting extensions done early, but he's also known for leverage. And six and zero oh, isn't the best leverage for a GM to get a team friendly deal. If he gets somebody done early, I gave you all the names. Who would you pick? Going through them in my head: uh, Epps, Edwards, Bradbury, Hargrave, Cox. Am I missing anybody there? Uh, Kaiser White, Brandon Graham. We mentioned a lot of guys. You know what? That last one, Kaiser White. You mentioned that. That might be one. I mean, that's. Uh, that's a position where they haven't had a lot of luck, as we know, at yeah. linebacker. I think I yeah. think he's played really well. And he's the guy who he just got to test the market. And he came back with, what was it, a one-year, $5 million deal. I mean, he was just a free agent. So he might be thinking, all right, I already know, you know, it's not like some guys, if you never get to free agency, you want to get to free agency. You want to see what the market's going to be like. He just got there. And so that's one that could make sense. I don't think you're, I don't know what the number would be off the top of my head. You certainly would give him a little bit of a raise, but I don't think you're doing anything crazy where he's getting like, you know, Fred Warner, uh, Shaquille Leonard type money, anything like that. So there might be a middle ground there where he says, uh, I'm young. I like it here. I play well in the scheme. Uh, I had my opportunity to test the market last off season. Let's go ahead and kind of make a deal there. The other guy I thought about was Epps. You know, I think Epps is somebody who uh, he didn't have a great game last week, but I think overall he's giving you solid starting caliber safety play. It's another position where you sort of had some trouble uh, filling that spot really since, uh, you know, you had Brian Dawkins and you had Malcolm Jenkins and the Rodney McLeod who were a good set. But right now there's some uncertainty at that spot. And again, he's not somebody who I, I think you're paying at the top of the market. Uh, kind of, a, you know, a, a homegrown uh, guy. So I, I think those are the two that kind of stand out just from the names you gave me. 
Gio, are you going again this weekend? Just going to be watching it with your daughter when the police... I think I'll be. Yeah, I think I'll be at home having it on the uh, TV here, unless I luck into some last-minute uh, tickets. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. It was a blast uh, last week. Let's see if they can bounce back from a game two again and uh, kind of give us a, uh, a surprise World Series run. So I'm excited to watch starting tomorrow. Enjoy, Dad. We enjoyed having you here with us today. Thanks much, bud. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Shield Patty of the Ringer is a podcast Philly special. Tell you where Shield's roots are. All right, we're rooted here in Birds 365. We need to come back and put a bow on the show. Stay with us. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondly hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean.
All right, coming down the home stretch on a Thursday, five week edition of Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac. What do you got on your plate today, McMullen? Anything special? Anything earth shattering? Or are you just going to kick back and maybe watch some uh, DVR AEW stuff? Um, no, I'm still doing. I got I got too much to do, Jody. At Lead all off times. match. Lead yeah. off match. Your guy, our, the orange, he was right there. Starting a show on Wednesday. Now, did I tell you, Tony, uh, stop. Uh, did I tell you, uh, Tony was here with Tony Khan with the Jacksonville Jag- Jaguars. And Tony works about, you know, 100 hour weeks because he also owns uh, an English Premier League team. He owns uh, a data analytics company. Now, he does he own or does his dad own? Uh, well, his dad, m- minority owner. Uh, of, okay. of the Jags, Ma- majority owner of of AEW, but yes, right. Um, that one I know. Of wrong. course, it's his dad's money, but you know, either way, it, it'd be nice to have a dad like that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he works about a hundred hours a week. He still made time to come see me when the Jags were here. Really? So, yeah. So good guy. Really, really hard worker. I'm telling you, you got to get on the orange bandwagon. Um, he's but yeah, got got as well, big that's a what pop I was saying. as anyone except for MJF the other night. Well, he got I was cheered saying, as loudly as anybody else on that show. I was saying the compliment sandwich, but yeah, you got to stop with the orange Cassie. Look, there's realistic stuff. He's he's an undercard guy. He's over like you know, if you're a wrestling fan like Jody is and I are, there's certain guys, there's gimmick guys, Santino Morella with a stupid Cobra back in the day, but they're comic. They're that, you know, they're nonsense. You don't put them on uh, uh, important parts of the show. And again, put orange Cassidy on the screen, put Roman Reigns on the screen. One guy screams authentic. One guy screams. Is that what you need me to say as an Orange Cassidy fan? He's not Roman Reigns. Well, I I will give you that. Orange Cassidy is not Roman Reigns. No, my point is don't put him on important positions of the show. He's a, you know, if you want to sell some t shirts, if you want to have fun, if you want to, that's fine. But don't put him in serious programs. They put him in a serious program with Wardlow. Wardlow's never been the same, Jody, since that match because he had to play goofball with this goofball. But and you but, don't do that. But Wardlow with Samoa Joe is a good idea. Come on. No, it's not. But they haven't done anything right. Haven't done anything right. I'd say that putting with Orange Cassidy was doing something. Right. Oh, you and I are never going to agree on this. It's obvious them. we're never going to agree on this one. Uh, McMullen, the Prime Minister of England, retired after 44 days today. You and I have been at this for 387 shows. Tomorrow's number 388. You in? I thought I was going to retire after your love of Orange Cassidy, but I've decided to go on. You got you got him hanging, McMullen. We appreciate that about you. All right, John Mack, Jody Mack, back again tomorrow for a Friday episode of Birds 365 in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs> 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.